Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast, a general practice podcast brought to you by Menlo Park Recruitment. Illuminating Primary Care is here to quiz primary care leaders to offer professional knowledge, experience and insight on the biggest topics in general practice. It's the podcast to listen to if you work in primary care. Welcome to the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast. I'm Alexa, one of the consultants at Menlo Park, and on this episode, I'll be chatting with GP partner, Dr. Rebecca Ennis from Western Avenue Medical Centre in Chester, and chatting to her about her Roots partnership not too long after qualifying. So if you're interested in possibly going down the partnership route yourself, please stay tuned to hear Becky's story and what she's learned so far. So hi, Becky. Hi. Welcome, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. Do you just want to start by giving our listeners a bit of a brief overview of your medical career and how you came to the decision to choose GP as your speciality? Yeah, sure. So um, initially, I suppose it's a bit of a journey. I When I finished school, I did psychology. Um, and um, after that, I wanted to get a job. So I got a job as a pharmaceutical rep, um, which was just guided to me by my mum, who was medical secretary. Um, it's only quite interesting learning lots about medicine. Um, and I ended up moving down to um, Chester with that from Yorkshire. Um, as soon as I started in that role, I realised how interested I was in medicine. And um, before that, a career in medicine hadn't really crossed my mind, to be honest. Um, so that kind of thought lingered with me um, through the job. Um, and I decided eventually after about three years to take the leap. Um, so I had to reset my biology level. Um, and then I got a place in at Liverpool Uni on the four-year course, so the grad entry course, which was perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, when I did first go into um, uni um, and medicine, I didn't want to be a GP, to be honest. I think working as a pharmaceutical rep, I'd um, experienced lots of different types of GPs and I suppose hadn't got a full impact on what a, a truly good GP was. But actually, um, through some of my placements in my fourth year and my fifth year, I had some amazing placements um, with really brilliant GPs and I realised how diverse the role was and how interesting it was and that really sparked my interest from there to be honest. Mm, I agree it must be really interesting because every day must be just so different giving you loads of variety like say lots of ways to diversify and you know progress your career as you have done. Absolutely. So in the midst of the current GP recruitment and retention crisis, loads of practices are struggling to attract new GPs. So what exactly was it about the practice that you joined as a partner that made it a really attractive option for you? Um, so I suppose I'll just take you back to my couple of first jobs that I had um, before I started at my surgery. And um, I had two salaried roles before that. It was quite a difficult time, actually, when I got a job because it it was in the midst of COVID. So there wasn't a lot of law coming out there. So I felt like I had to take a job um, as a, you know, with some security. Um, My first role that I took was quite tough and I didn't last very long in it, to be honest. I only quit after six weeks. and then um, my second job, um, I got through a friend in Wrexham and I worked there for a year. Um, but through some of the locum in, I met the practice manager at the surgery that I'm at now. Um, he would mentioned quite a few things about the practice. Um, a couple of things were 
Um, it was it had a community store attached to it. It had a garden on the practice site, which was for the community. Um, there was loads of social things that the practice got involved in. Um, he also mentioned to me lots about um, like the work-life balance and how the current GPs had tried to really push for that and found that really important. Um, so I, I went and did some locums, that, more locums there and realised I really liked it and kind of took the leap and um, took the job on with a friend um, and started as a partner there um, last September. Right. It is really refreshing to hear that your practice do place so much emphasis on a good work-life balance. It's you know so vital, isn't it, in terms of retaining GPs within primary care. Um, I've mentioned to you earlier that we previously hosted two podcasts recently focused on mm-hmm. the topic of burnout. So, you know, completely understand how much it should be a priority. So how does your practice manage to strike that balance? What do you do differently to be able to offer such good work-life balance? Um, I suppose what they focused on were numbers of patients that um, you see um, in the first practice that I work in they really heavily focused on dealing with everything on the day having large numbers of patients on your list um which really means that you can't manage anything properly um in this job we have reduced numbers so according to the bma contract what we should have um so we actually only see 11 patients in the morning and nine patients in the afternoon but what that means is that we can um, manage all the additional things that comes into the role of being a gp so um all the um additional admin any emergencies all the home visits and things like that so it just gives us that time and that um to manage everything properly to be honest mm-hmm. wow that is unheard of yes <laughs> Um, and did you view many surgeries then before finding your current partnership position? Um, I had worked at quite a few as a locum and I think, but the only problem is as a locum, you don't get the full extent of what's actually happening. And and to be honest with you, I was really quite shocked at um, the differences between how practices work. Um, you kind of just assume as a GP that every practice works the same, but actually because they're managed by different people, those those partners have got different visions and um, I suppose you need to get to the the practice that has the same vision as you um, and what you want to get out of your job. Mm, Absolutely a really useful way though to try before you buy essentially isn't it? Yeah absolutely. And how much exposure did you have to the financial and contractual issues before you decided to commit to your partnership? Um, well, this isn't definitely not my strong point. Um, so when I I was given the the um, accounts review, but to be honest with you, I didn't really understand them. Um, so I used um, friends who were GP partners just to have a little look at them. Um, so I suppose I probably was a little bit naive going into it, um, but I felt fully supported by the practice manager that I had. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, probably not the best exposure, but um it's I suppose it's a steep learning curve yeah and really good that you did have friends that could assist you with that and the fact that you could draw up a brand new partnership agreement amongst yourselves it is quite a unique situation to be in I suppose yeah absolutely so shall we talk about the team at your practice what do you think you're really good at um so I always praise everyone that works in our surgery because they are so good um everyone works really well together um we, I think communication is really um, important 
and ensuring that everyone feels that it's safe to speak up in the practice. Um, so we have practice meetings on a weekly basis, but obviously we've got an open door policy. I'm pretty easy to talk to, so people can just knock and come in if they've got any issues. And mm-hmm. do you know what? It really, you can really tell that people enjoy their job. Um, people are happy when they come into work, and that makes a massive difference to working in a happy environment. To be honest, um, mm-hmm. and the staff are really good at the job. Um, for example, things like um, triage. Um, so a lot of surgeries do um, telephone triage still. We don't do that anymore. We don't feel that we need to do it because actually reception are very good at it. And we have mm-hmm. access to physios, um, occupational therapy. We have dietitians. We have mental health. So they can book into those um, services without actually needing to see the GP. So actually at yeah. our practice, the people, the patients are seeing the right person at the right time um so a lot of people for example mental health um they'll come and see um the gp first when actually they don't need to see the gp they need to see a mental health practitioner to get the right kind of help that they need um and that saves a gp appointment in my previous surgeries i was seeing so much mental health and Mm. the surgery that i work in is in a very deprived area and i don't see half of what i used to see because because the the staff know where to put yeah absolutely um and are there any areas within the practice that you are actively improving on currently um yeah so a couple of things but to be honest there was nothing dramatic that needed changing um everything was working well it was main things were just streamlining things a little bit better um looking at how prescriptions are dealt with getting individual gps to cover certain number of um, prescriptions um just improving things like AccuRx templates. So it meant that we don't have to necessarily have a consultation with the patient. We can send out a text, mm-hmm. clinical meetings that we introduced and doing hot topics in those. Um, and we've also just um, started to become a training practice, which is something I've always wanted to do. Um, so we started taking on medical students. We'll started taking on, start taking on F2s um, from September. Um, but that allows us to keep us up to date as well with all our learning. It's great. Mm, absolutely. It does sound like all those small improvements that you've made uh, make for an even better working environment. When I'm speaking to GPs, when I'm registering them, um, the top three things that they're usually looking for, uh, a 15 minute appointment, some regular meetings with clear communication. That's always really what's mentioned. Um, and really exciting that you're becoming a teaching and training practice too. Like you say, it keeps you up to date while supporting future doctors. Um, so with the primary care landscape changing, do you have any strategy for navigating these uncertain times and do you have a vision for the future for the practice? Um, I think that's a, a pretty difficult question to answer because I think at the moment it's very unknown, isn't it? Um, with the new contract, I think it's quite difficult suggesting that um need to offer an appointment to every patient that contacts the surgery because obviously this poses some difficulties. Um, we do have good access in our surgery, so we are quite lucky, but I know a lot of practices will really struggle with this. Um, and of course, the budget's ever changing, so that's a challenge. We don't get as much money in the practice, but we have to um, obviously increase people's pay and things like that. Um, we're trying to keep up to date with things. We have GP 
sorry, Confederation meetings, which is um, like Cheshire region um, of all changes that are happening. Um, but at the moment, everything seems fine and we don't have great plans to change things and because it's working well. That's great. Um, and what lessons would you say that you've learned so far as a partner? Um, so I suppose it's I'm still learning, to be honest, because it's been about nine months now. Um, but I'd say that there's so much more to being a GP than just seeing patients. Um, managing people, I'd say, has probably been a challenge. So the staff in the, the um, premises, so, you know, dealing with if there's something wrong or things like that, things that you wouldn't be expecting to deal with as a GP, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um The finances, like I alluded to previously, um, again, that's very complicated, a lot of which is dealt with through the practice manager. um, But things that we have to make decisions on, you know, which will affect budgets and things like that. Um, One, for example, is with the community store next door to us. Um, We were having to pay £4,000 a month for that to fund it out of our budget, which is quite a lot of money because it's coming obviously out of patients' um, money. But it was providing a great social kind of hub for patients. But we've managed to get some charity um, involvement. So we're funding £3,000 of that. But just little things like that where you're having to Mm -hmm. think, can we afford to do this? Um, And the other things I I really enjoy actually working as a PCN, so as the collective group, um, which adds a different dimension to the job, um, looking at Mm -hmm. how we um, bring into additional roles into the services and what we might need as a practice for our patients um mm-hmm. so but I think there's so much more for me to learn to be honest um and I probably will be for the next 10 years always is yeah <laughs> I agree <laughs> and finally in your opinion what does the government need to do to address the shortages of GP and primary care and make it a more sustainable career path um, again, another difficult question. I would say GP is a great job. Um, I love it. But I've got friends who have started with me and stopped being a GP because they've just felt that it's unmanageable, you know, finishing so late at night, not having any time. But I think, obviously, they've introduced that um, junior doctors have to do um placements within GP so I think that will help if they put into nice GP practices of course um I think like you mentioned before about the 15 minute appointments I think that makes a difference I didn't mention previously but we have changed to 15 minutes which again Mm -hmm. makes a difference um I think if people could come and look around our surgery they would see how lovely it is and um if every place was like ours I think people would want to be a GP because it's a great work-life balance to be honest but um, I think recently GP have had quite a bad publicity um, and maybe a lot of incorrect people think, you know, that we're not seeing patients because of COVID and things like that. So I think that impacts on how um, people coming into the career um, kind of think about it, but um, definitely needs a lot more money. But I suppose the whole NHS needs more money, doesn't it? Um, mm. It's such a, it's, saturated at the moment um so i don't have a a great answer to this but i think it's just finding the right practice and people will realize that actually is a nice job to do Mm, it does sound like your practice has got the balance just right and you know recognize the importance of preventing burnout and if only more could follow suit yeah um, absolutely, I think GP would be a more attractive career path and absolutely here's to way more funding into primary care. Absolutely, I agree. 
Thank you so much for your contribution today, Becky, and to the continued success of your practice. Um, and please do join us on the next episode of Illuminating Primary Care. You've been listening to the Illuminating Primary Care podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe, review and share so others can find the podcast too. We really appreciate your support. If you're a practice looking to recruit permanent clinicians, such as GPs, nurses or allied health staff, please get in touch at menlopartrecruitment.com or email james at menlopartrecruitment.com. For daily primary care news, please follow Menlo Park Recruitment on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you'll join us next time for another episode of the Illuminating Primary Care Podcast.